Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors, and thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Dr. Alan, and today we explore the investment journey via what our guest describes as stacking his way out of the corporate shackles. Tim Vest has, for more than 15 years, been investing in real estate. Tim has done it all, from partnering with developers to develop raw land, to purchasing and investing in single-family rentals, fix-and-flip multifamily and hotels. He is currently an owner and partner in multifamily apartment communities. Outside of his passion for real estate, Tim also enjoyed a 20-year career in technology and founded multiple startups. So, Tim, take us into the show by sharing an experience from your formative years. Hey, Alan, thanks for having me on, and uh, I appreciate that that intro. So, an experience from my formative years, I'd have to say that uh, it was actually kind of a, a collection of experiences, actually, and mostly involved just kind of being around my dad and watching my dad kind of do things himself. He was always kind of a serial entrepreneur, owned a printing business, owned, you know, a couple of other different businesses, and and then was always kind of running something on the side to, to supplement the family income and, you know, provide experiences for my brothers and I. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of seeing that and being around that, that, um, that kind of helped me you know, see that, uh, you know, entrepreneurship businesses were something I wanted to be part of and start myself. And then he would, he would kind of bring me along for the ride from time to time. I guess I was his uh, sidekick, his late, his labor, <laughs> if you will. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that we used to do was, you know, in the summers, uh, he and my mom were teachers in the summers, uh, we would go down to the beach and uh, build decks for people to make extra money. Uh, in the winters, most from the fall through every winter, as long as I can remember, we were out in the woods cutting wood and delivering loads of wood to people and uh, around the town. So we were always doing something like that. I was always helping him with that. And it, you know, it instilled that kind of work ethic and, and, you know, kind of thought process around, you know, they're a lot of ways to make money that don't involve working for somebody else. I think that I think I'd have to go with that. Yeah, sounds like a really great foundation. Boy, that firewood business—that is physical <laughs> labor. <laughs> yeah. I have a wood stove, so yeah, that it's it's nice heat, but boy, it is it's labor intensive. Well, uh, Tim, like many of us, you had some major setbacks in two thousand and eight and two thousand and nine. Share with us that experience, some of those lessons learned from that that helped you to build your business back better. Yeah. So in, in 2006, I actually started in the real estate world around 2006, got a couple of partners and we started doing land flips, land development, working with builders to take raw land and get it ready for you know a, lar- a large scale development. And you know that, that actually went really well. It went really well for a couple of years. Then 2008 rolled around and, you know, um, uh, we don't have to go too far into what caused all that. But, you know, at the time, uh, builders were building a lot, a lot of people who had no business owning a single house or multiple homes. So really what ended up happening in this country is we had an oversupply of housing, essentially. Too many homes, not enough buyers. And builders couldn't build, lenders weren't lending. 
and raw land for those purposes were not in demand. So our builders, three partnerships with builders, two went bankrupt, one just shut their doors. And uh, my partners and I were stuck with raw land with no infrastructure, no roads to access it. So that experience uh, ended up going pretty badly in 2008 and nine. A lot of uh, things to clean up a lot of money to pay every, you know, I like to be really transparent with people and just tell you real quick, you know, everything we made plus a lot more we lost. And, you know, one of the biggest things I probably learned coming out of that were I'll go with two things. One moving forward was that I'm not going to do anything that does not involve multiple exit strategies. The biggest issue with that at that point in time was we were completely dependent on developers to do something with the land. And when those developers weren't there, there really wasn't much we could do at the time. So, you know, I, I don't do deals anymore that don't cash flow from day one and don't have multiple exit strategies, you know, on, on the other side. The second thing that taught me was, you know, you can pick up and move on. You know, I spent 2008, and nine and 10 digging myself out of that hole, but I did dig out, you know, I dug out, learned some lessons and in 2011, I was back at it. I was back at it again with real estate. And it's been really good. Um, it's been really good to me. You know, I, th I think there's probably some folks out there would say that, uh, you know, real estate's been really good to everybody <laughs> for the last 11, 10, 11 years. But, you know, I, I'm in a much better position now with the stuff that my partners and I have. It cash flows and, uh, you know, we, we have multiple ways to hold on to it if, if something were to happen in the market. Um, we have multiple ways to dispose of it if something were to happen in the market. And um, we have multiple ways to protect our investors as well. So, yeah, I would say those were the lessons learned coming out of, out of that time. Those certainly seem like some very valuable lessons. Multiple exits, I've had to learn that lesson as well. Boy, if you don't have more than one exit, it can be really tough when things turn. And certainly, cash flow from day one, that's also my motto. The picking up and moving on, you make it sound like that was really, really easy. But having been through downturns and uh, losing everything you put into it, time, effort, and of course, money and reputation and uh, all those things. They take a toll on us psychologically and emotionally. So how did you overcome, which I think is really the big setback, at least that's always what it's been for me, is that psychological and emotional setback that comes with shame, humiliation, and uh, as well as the disappointment. How did you overcome all of those things? Uh, well, part of it was... Part of it was just a personal thing. You know, at the time, uh, it was just me and my partners. We weren't taking outside capital. So, you know, and looking back on it, you know, hindsight, that, that was a blessing in disguise. You know, I, I never had to look at somebody who wasn't actively involved and say, I lost your money. I did have to look at my wife and say, we lost a lot of money. But, you know, those are conversations that are, you know, you have with your spouse. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it was easy. Uh, it certainly wasn't easy. There was absolutely a psychological aspect to it of, you know, kind of getting your butt kicked and having to deal with that. But, you know, I think, I think for me, one of the biggest things I've always seen is, you know, my parents, we didn't have a ton growing up and we didn't have much. So knowing, you know, what you really needed to live on and what was really important, I think that helps. Everything else is just kind of stuff, if you will. So I think that helps. But at the same time, you know, I've just never looked at failures as, as something to be ashamed of. I've always looked at it as, you know, as long as you take something from it that's positive, like a learning opportunity, I've always looked at it as a positive experience. You know, fortunately, you know, social media wasn't as big back then. So I wasn't doing things like that on social media. So 
you know, those failures, I guess, were limited to a much smaller audience than they would be today. But at the same time, I, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, look, you know, it's, it's only failure if you quit. So I look at it as just an expensive learning opportunity. <laughs> I, I spent a lot more on it than I did my college education, but you know, I learned quite a bit and I'm applying those principles today. So I, I just don't look at it as a failure. I look at it as a stumbling block. It was a chance to fall down and get back up again. And, and we did. So what role do, do your mentors and coaches play in that particular process? The biggest thing that I would say that they play there is keeping me accountable. That's probably the biggest thing that I look for from a mentor and coach is just saying, hey, you know, you are utilizing investors for these activities. Make sure that you're doing everything you can to protect them. And, you know, I try to keep that at the front of my mind, but it helps to have a mentor and a coach there to, to kind of say that as well. I also look to them for guidance. You know, there's a number of different ways that I can look at deals and figure out how to manage deals, but you know, there's a lot of things I don't know. Even 16 years later, there's a lot of things I don't know. And it's an opportunity for me either to network with guys who, you know, have more experience than I do or have different experiences than I do. Because quite frankly, um, I, I have a mentor right now uh, that a man I consider a mentor that's been doing this, has not been doing this as long as I have, but he's been doing some different things. And i I learned from him all the time. You know, he helps me look at different ways to consider asset management. Um, he does a great job working with property managers and, you know, I, I leverage his ideas all the time to say, Hey, you know, I got this going on with a property manager. How do I, you know, how would you, how, how have you handled this in the past? So I, I, I leverage them for accountability and then just, you know, knowledge, honestly. It's always nice to have knowledge and expertise from different experiences just to give us different uh, perspectives and point of views. But like you said, there's always something new that we can learn from different people. As it's one thing I really enjoy about uh, doing the podcast is the variety of people that I get to talk to and, and learn from each and every guest. Some of them have been investing for only a short time, uh, some for many, many years like yourself. But no matter what their experience level, they all have, you know, something that's new to me in some way, shape or form. Well, you talk about uh, the aspect that it's not just one big home run that makes all the difference, but that it is multiple uh, smaller wins that build up to make the really big difference. So talk to us about that process. Yeah, I always always uh, joke with with my buddies um, and my partners. Um, we we use a lot of baseball analogies with each other, and uh, I always joke with them that I'm playing. If you, you know, if, if listeners are familiar with the movie, I'm playing Moneyball instead of instead of being the New York Yankees. I'm looking to get guys on base. I'm looking to get hits. And you know, a lot of times what you see out there is guys talk about like the grand slam, if you will, that that home run, um, that one deal that'll just change your life. And and I'm not. Believe me, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. It does. I have one. <laughs> I have one right now in my portfolio that, you know, someone might look at and consider a grand slam and it produces really well and it is a life changer. But even that single one home run deal wasn't the one that allowed me to walk away from corporate America. It was a collection of deals over a period of time that when they are stacked, which is what I call my stack, when they are stacked on top of each other every year those collectively produce a very good and strong income and apply and build towards my network. So, you know, like I talk about, like get a basic, get a double, 
don't sit around waiting for the grand slam all the time. You know, those start to add up over time because, you know, I think, I think a lot of folks sometimes, and this is just my opinion, I think a lot of folks come, sometimes come into this thinking that it's a quick process, that buying real estate, you know, you can just buy real estate and all of a sudden you're, you've got all this freedom. And, you know, maybe maybe you can. That hasn't been my experience. Like I said, I've been doing this for 16 years. I've been doing multifamily for a while now. And it, it's taken a few years, but it has happened. You just have to consistently stay at it and, you know, get a deal here, get a deal there. And they start to add up. And, you know, like folks say all the time, it's not, you know, it's not timing the market. It's it's time in the market. And then I would also say, you know, as you know, one of the old adages about real estate holds true is that it's a long game, you know. Uh, so you know, if you if you get into this and, and you haven't done anything in a year or you haven't made tremendous progress in two years, then you know, don't get discouraged. Just stick with it. It does start to add it up. It really does start to stack and build towards, you know, your goals. You just got to have the right mindset. You know, you can't expect it to happen overnight. Just to make this a little bit more concrete, take us back to 2010, 2011, when you were essentially starting over and just kind of take us through that process of how you actually initiated that stacking process. Yeah. So in 2010, 2011, uh, the first thing that happened is I walked into the room and, and told my wife, you know, I think I'm ready to start doing real estate again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was the, honestly, that was the hardest part because she had seen the last two years and what I'd been doing to dig out of it. Dig and out, she yeah. kind of looked at me and gave me a, are you sure? You know, like, <laughs> a, you sure you want to do that? Yeah. But I had no doubt in my mind. So mm -hmm. that was the first step. The next process was to figure out where I wanted to go. At the time, you knew I didn't want to do land development, kind of still had a sour taste and it tasted my mouth from that. I started doing it like a lot of people at the time. You know, there were a lot of homes that you could get really cheaply or in short sell or foreclosure or whatever. I just started doing fix and flips, started buying a single family. Built up the portfolio of that. Uh, and, and, and through that process, you know, I would uh, as we would flip things, we would keep one out of every three or four. Over some years, I built up a kind of a portfolio of single families. After a while, I started to kind of realize that that wasn't going to scale very well for me. So a lot of people have the same story, but uh, you know, you realize that doesn't scale very well. So uh, I started to look for other places to go in real estate and led me over to multifamily. A lot of the things you do with single family portfolios bleed over into multifamily management, you know, and and uh, deals as well. So went that way. And, um, you know, over the course of the next few years, really started to build up a portfolio and made some really good connections. The biggest thing for me in that space was building out teams, you know, and um, those teams included property managers and, and partners. And, you know, over a couple of years, we started to really put some strong teams in place. Um, and now where we are is we're looking to scale other operations within our team. You know, partners and property managers make a certain level possible, but now you got to start building out asset management teams as well, because, you know, that's 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 one of the pieces that take the most amount of time. And there's only a couple of partners. Uh, so you got to be able to duplicate yourself. So that, that's where we are today. Well, you said you did have one home run. What what was that home run? Uh, and that wasn't, by the way, folks, I've been doing this a while and that came earlier this year. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so we so had after, a, after 15 years, it took you 15 years to have <laughs> one home run. Huh? I got the home run, stepped up to the plate and knocked one out of the park. <laughs> 
So uh, we got a property that came to us through um, one of our property manager partners in uh, in the Charleston area, Charleston, South Carolina area. And, you know, we were able to get a really good deal in this super hot market. We were able to get a really good deal, walked into about $1.5 million in, in um, equity mm. uh, from day one. Wow. And then with some light, with some pretty light value add, um, we're actually able to add another about another 1.8 in value to the property, you know, so when it's all said and done, you know, I think we were, I think our purchase price was around four and within about 18 months, uh, you know, we're looking at 7.2 mm. that, that was, on, that's by all accounts, a home run, you know, we were able to keep a large percentage of that deal uh, because we did walk into so much equity. And that, that's what I think a lot of people don't realize sometimes is, you know, it's these syndications for the most part on, on most of them, you're giving away, the majority of the deal mm-hmm. to the investors because they're they're skinny, right? There's a lot of them are skinny. In this particular case, because it was such a fat deal, we were able to keep a little bit more on the GP side. So that one, by all accounts, is a home run. Well, congratulations on that. And I like how you illustrate that. Yes, there can be home runs, but it's like with any proficiency, it, it takes proficiency to bring those home runs into play. Not every batter that goes out there is going to do that from day one. It takes skill development. Tell us about this mind shift. You've touched on it a little bit, that when you first began, you had this mindset that I can always go back to corporate America. And you have shifted that to there is no going back. How has that affected your game? Yeah, so I think it's, I think the way that has really helped me is it's allowed me to to just stay focused, really focused. Like, you know, I think if you leave, sometimes I think if you leave yourself an out, it's really easy to not give it 110%, you know, the, that old analogy, right? The 110%. I think it's real easy not to give it everything or to not look or push yourself to look for every possible way to make something work. You know, for me, when I kind of said, you know what? There is no going back. There is no going back to corporate America. If I'm going to pay the bills and put food on the plate and pay for my daughter's college, this is the way I have to go. And I have to figure that out. So it helps me look at things and, you know, where I would have looked at things maybe two ways before. Now I look at them five ways, you know, where you sometimes might throw your hands up in the air and go, I just can't figure it out. It's like, well, no, you got to figure it out. So I'll make that extra phone call. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to that coach or mentor and say, you know, here's where I'm at. What do I do? What what have you done in the past? I think it's just kind of a different way of kind of putting yourself, holding your feet to the fire, really, and saying, you know, this is my path forward. There is no going back to the corporate world or, or falling back to something that, and I don't want to say that's easy. You know, working in the corporate world is not easy, but you know, I want to say that you know, this is a goal that I've set myself. And the only way to do it is to go accomplish that goal. You know, it's all about choices, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm making the conscious choice that that is my, the, my only path forward. I don't know if I explained that well, but it's just kind of uh, putting yourself in a corner a little bit and making yourself fight out of it, no matter what's in front of you. Yeah, uh, good explanation. It makes perfect sense that As long as we have an out, uh, we can, I guess, essentially take the easy road uh, and slide back. But if we take that option out, uh, we're much more determined to move ahead. Well, you have uh, a big why, and that is your daughter. But you say that your biggest motivation is the fear 
of what if. So explain to us what you're talking about there. Yeah. So, so, you know, my why, like you said, is my daughter, but my, probably my biggest fear is, is the fact or is the thought of, of one day just looking back and saying, what if I had done this? Or what if I had done that? What if I had not chosen to go back to corporate America and, and stuck, you know, stuck it out? I, I never want to ask myself, what if? And I've been saying that for a long time. Even one of the first businesses I started back in 2012, I, I told my partner at the time, I was like, man, I'm, I'm ready to give it a shot. I'm ready to give it a shot because I, I don't want to look back 10 years from now and be like, man, what if we had given it a shot? And that's that's just what I mean. If I have an idea that I've, I've done the analysis on, I've done the research, I, I've figured out a plan, I don't want to just set it aside and say, no, nah, never mind, you know, too much work, too much effort, you know, because when I'm 80 years old and, and sitting somewhere, I don't want to look back and say, what if I had done that when I was 40? What if I had done that when I was 47 or whatever? You know, I want to give it a shot. I want to see what, I came, what I'm capable of. I think there's a quote and I'm going to paraphrase and I'm probably going to butcher it, but there's a kind of a quote out there that, that says something to the effect of, you know, uh, my worst nightmare is being on my deathbed and looking back and realizing what I could have been or, or having the man that I could have been looking at me, something to that effect. And and that kind of holds true with me. Like I, that, that final moment, I never want to have that realization of if I had done this, I could have been that. So I just, I'd just rather give it a shot. <laughs> like we talked about earlier, you yeah. know, failure, failure is fine. Failure is fine. I'd rather give it a shot and fail than, than not give it a shot at all. Well, that's a very psychologically healthy way to look at life because uh, we're all going to fail and it is so easy for us who, I mean, we all really live in a shame-based uh, society and culture, it's really uh, easy for us to take those failures and shame ourselves for them. So developing that mindset that uh, failure is just a learning process and there is no shame uh, in failure as long as we use that opportunity to, to get up and go again. Well, Tim, uh, share with our viewers and listeners what you have to offer them and how they can take advantage of that and get in touch with you. Yeah, I appreciate that. So a couple of things. One, you know, obviously my partners and I are doing active syndications. We have a number of different opportunities that we can offer. Folks are looking to get involved with real estate and invest. We do offer that. And then two, you know, for, for people who are just starting out, you know, that are where I was back in 2006, not sure how to make a path forward, not sure how to underwrite a deal. My uh, partners and I also offer some mentoring and coaching ourselves. Uh, we tend to focus very much on some fundamentals like underwriting, the principles of underwriting, and how to structure syndications. That's kind of where we do well. So uh, we do offer some coaching and mentoring on that. And you know, if you're interested in either of those, you can always find me uh, at tvest at harvestpg.com. That's my email, tvest at harvestpg.com, or at my website, harvestpg.com. Yeah, reach out to me, find me there, and I'm always I'm always on LinkedIn as well. So, well, Tim, what a wonderful conversation! Uh, you are a very modest man considering all of your accomplishments, and it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for being with us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And viewers and listeners, thank you so much for being with us today. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. 
As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.